Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Claire McKenna. You're listening to Changemakers, the podcast series that talks to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. I have two guests on the podcast this week. Well, three, which will become apparent in a moment. But these guys fall under the category of challenging you to think a little differently. I worked with Katie Hogan at a radio station a few years ago. She was in the marketing department and I was there as a researcher. And she was always so likeable, really chatty and really good at her job. So I was sad when she told me she was leaving to go traveling with her boyfriend, Luke Gibney, who you're also going to hear. I thought to myself, she's taking a year out. She'll hit the hotspots, Thailand, Australia, and she'll be back. But cut to over four years later, and they've globetrotted to some of the furthest corners of the world and documented it to their over 40,000 followers on Instagram as the ungraceful guide. These two adventurers are brave, as you will hear from their approach, as they describe themselves in the podcast going from tourist to traveller. They came home to Ireland at the end of last year to have their beautiful baby daughter, Cora, who you might hear gurgling once or twice throughout the interview. And they are preparing to take to the road again as a threesome. I loved this whole conversation. I was hanging on their every word. They're so gorgeous together, a rock solid team. And so it's a love story, not only with each other, but also for living life. It's a reminder that we let fear and expectation hold us back. And when we do that, often we miss out on the incredible opportunities and experiences that unfold when you just go with it. I give you the gorgeous Hogan Gibneys. So before we get into the debate on what should be social norm, should the adventurous life be the norm or should the settling down and doing what everyone expects of us be the norm? Let's talk a little bit about you guys, um, how you met and how you got together. Tinder. (laughs) (laughs) No, we met uh, through a mutual friend um, a a long time ago in a a cafe in Dublin. I had just moved home from Spain and I was... um, just sitting outside and doing a crossword and smoking a cigarette and she passed by with a, a mutual friend of ours and he actually they sat down and had a coffee with me and he was trying to set me up with another friend of ours and she was digging the elbow in going dude forget it forget it like yeah, hook right. a sister up what about me I'm sitting here um, and then I remember when we walked away um, he wasn't on social media or anything so I couldn't do the usual creep you know so I was so intrigued I was like challenge accepted you know um, so, of course, then there was a bit of back and forward. And I remember I, I, I was working um, with a number of bands at the time and Luke Luke was working in music as well. And he said, oh, can you send me some of their music? Here's my email. And then that's how the conversation started. Um, so we were, yeah, it was back and forth through email for a while. And then we were, let's not lie, we were friends with benefits yeah. for about a year. Yeah. Neither of us were we like... We went on our first date a year after we got together. Yeah. 
Yeah, because we were—he was just out of a relationship. I was out of a relationship, and we were a bit like, "Oh no, not dealing with that now." No. So you know. Okay, so it wasn't one of these like this is it uh, in the beginning. It let's was, get a house. Let's settle down. N- no, like no. it was this is it, but we were like fighting it yeah. for a long time. It was this is it, but I don't want it to be. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. I like yeah. those. Ones. When you stop looking for it, it kind of it jumped there, and we we're like, no, 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 yeah. not for us, not for us. So the two of us were like, no, like this isn't official. Like we're not becoming official. But all our friends and everyone was like, who is he? Who is she? Like what's going on? Yeah. You know, where are you sneaking off to? You know, um, and then and even our parents and everything were like. My mom was like, when am I going to meet him? Like, you've got this spark in your eye and I want to meet him. And I was like, no, it's not happening. Like, I'm staying single for a long time, you know. And lo and behold, eight years later, a baby, a baby and a ring. Married. Yeah. Yeah. Eight years, three continents, one child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you got to a point where you were living together. Yes. And when did you start to talk about going traveling? We started talking about going traveling. We were so we were living together in a in a shared accommodation in Clonbrazil Street with what felt like about seventeen hundred other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, a good friend of mine came over one day, a Spanish girl, Carmen, and she was talking about um, friends of hers that had gone traveling and were teaching English abroad. And obviously, the two of us were like, we never even thought that this was a thing that we could do. Yeah. So um, we, we started talking about it a little bit. That kind of planted the seed. And then I think the situation that we were in living wise forced us. We decided to go on, a, on, a, on an extended holiday. So we took six weeks and we went off and we did a kind of six week tour of Southeast Asia. And um, it just we both got bitten by the bug really bad. And then when we arrived home, the house that we were living in was a total disaster. Like they'd left the heating on for like a week and a half. There was like an 800 euro heating bill and there was paint all over the place. And we just looked at each other and went, right, we need to, we need to get out of here. Yeah. This is, this is what's given us the push to, to make it the jump. And I know for me prior to that, I never really left Europe. You know, I was very uh, college career. That's what I wanted. All my friends went off traveling after college and I was like mm, tempting, but I, I really just want to get stuck in. I want to be like successful. I want the CEO. I want this. I want that. So I focused on that. Um, I know Luke went and he did like America and Australia and that. So I think, and obviously you lived in Spain, so you had a lot of travel behind Mm. you. But it wasn't until I got to Thailand and Vietnam and I came back and it just wasn't the same for me. I was like, oh my God. It was like a bubble was popped and I could just see everything. I was like, this is, I FOMO. I really, like that was incredible. I need to get out and see the world now. Um, and like that, the timing then when our friend Carmen came over and was talking about teaching English abroad, because I saw, I suppose like, what were we then? Like, I mean, we were, I was 26, 27 and there was that fear of like, I was in a really good job and, you know, we were pretty settled, you know, I, we, we would have been on the road to starting to think about maybe buying a house, saving for a house, having Mm. kids, you know, that's where we were kind of sailing towards. And all of a sudden it was like, no. It's yeah. not what we want anymore. Well, not what I want anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't speak for both. Not what I want anymore. And I was like, I want to travel. I want to travel. But I was terrified. I was terrified. So this security net of, well, maybe we could do a course, learn how to teach English as a second language and go abroad and teach and have that security net of an income um, of a full-time jo- job abroad and see where that takes us. And that's the road we went down. So we started a sales course uh, on in Swan Language there in Grafton Street. And we did that part time um, while working full time. At the same time, we had moved out of our shared accommodation to North Dublin and rented an apartment for uh, a year. Um, and that's that's the path we were on. Um, 
and yeah I don't know I think by the end we I mean we graduated we, we, we were qualified then around December yeah and that was it I was like we need to do it now because you know there's always an excuse there's always a reason to stay there's always something that can kind of keep you from going so I was like no no that's done now I'm booking the flight so book Mexico one way um, and Katie is not one for long fingering anything do you know when a decision is made it's done it's done you're, you're done and you go and that's it but you do have that fear like we all fall into that timetable that you spoke of mm. you know you rent somewhere together then you look to buy somewhere together then you may or may not get married have kids mm. that seems to be the progression what happened with the apartment then because a letter came through that kind of gave you that final push out the door yeah so I, we had decided then like the flights were booked for early February 2017 so we said we'll go and hand in our notice after we come back from our Christmas holidays and we did that the first thing we did the week we were back and so we told our letting agent and we gave a hand in our notice to work and the fear set in, of <laughs> course, because, I mean, you do, you have voices around you, like people who care about you saying, are you sure? Are you sure? You know, it's like others, other people's anxieties kind of seep onto you. So, of course, I got like, oh, Luke, are we doing the right thing? Like, are we mad? Are we mad? Is this the right thing to do? And then lo and behold, there was a knock at the door one day and there was this man and he threw in this letter and I remember it just flew by my ear and I was like, what the hell? And I picked it up and, and we were basically being served a notice. We had to, we were being evicted within 30 days. Now we had already handed in our notice to our letting agent anyway, but it was just this, believe it or, or don't believe it, whatever you believe in, there was, that for me was like a, a sign. All of a sudden the anxiety for, of leaving Ireland and, and just running away essentially was not as scary as, well, if we stay, we now have to find somewhere to live. And this was kind of the incline of this rental crisis. Do you know what I mean? Like we were starting to kind of hit that where rents were going up. There were very little apartments. Everyone was trying to move out, you know? So that just became scarier. So I was like, nah, that's it. That's all I needed. I was like, I'm done. Let's go. Like, so yeah, that was it. And as you've done so much traveling before, Luke, had you kind of ticked that box, did you feel? Were you ready to sort of settle or how were you feeling about the plans? I, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I, f I felt I had ticked the traveling box before. Um, I, I would consider myself a fairly easygoing person. Uh, but to be honest, the decision for me was more about was I prepared to lose her and let her go traveling on her own? Or w did I want to pack up and go with her? So it, was, it wasn't a question of whether I wanted to go traveling. It was a question of, you know, whether I wanted to go with her or whether I wanted to stay and see what was going to happen here. Um, we talked about doing the long-term thing as well. And I just in the end, I was like, you know what? It's just, it's not worth it. Like, it's taken me this long to find her. So I'm going to just pack up and go where follow her to the ends of the earth so Absolutely. where was destination number one and how did you arrive at that plan I don't know what made us pick Mexico mm. I have no idea but yeah that was the that was the that was just the first flight we booked and I said we'll just go there and let's work our way yeah. south okay so Mexico was the first plan do it for a year when did that start to change in Mexico. <laughs> we um, landed and we were like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, well, I know for me it changed. I would say like the, the first year we were traveling, we traveled like the real typical way. You know, like we did all the tours. We tried all the food. We went to all the attractions. We went to all the places. We did the actual traveling thing and we went really quickly through a lot of it. Um, and I kind of felt like we were at the time I was kind of rushing through to finish out the year and go home. Mm. 
Um, and it was only when we sat down, I would say, after about a year, a year, maybe maybe 18 months, um, I was just kind of sitting there one day and I just thought, I, I, I don't want to go home. Yeah. There's just too much. We've seen too much and there's too much more to see. Mm -hmm. And I mean, at this stage, we had only, we were only just finishing up in Latin America. And yeah, it was just, I would say about about a year or 18 months, I, I made the decision that, that we, we just, I had to keep going anyway, mm -hmm. you know? And how were you, answer all the questions that the sensible people get, like how were you funding all of this? How were you living? How were you eating? Because that's what scares people. Mm. They're like, how will we find a way? How will we not just find ourselves lost in some back street? And, you know, it, and, it, it, and, and they miss out on all the wonderful opportunities because fear holds them back. Yeah, well, I mean, I think if the, the way we afforded it was, we obviously hit the red line. So we, we had uh, um, saved up, um, not a significant amount of money before no. we took off. I think we had about six. We, had, we, we left with six because we had only planned for a year. And, six and, thousand and now, not six euro. <laughs> six <laughs> six thousand between the two of us. But but it was like, OK, that'll do us for a year and mm. we're going to stop and work. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So we were like, we'll, we'll rejuvenate the funds a bit. But I don't know, I think, and then and then halfway through the, I think we got to like from Central America to South America mm. then, um, and we got a bit of a cash injection, um, which was like a heritance, which so it was about five grand. Mm. So that gave us the, the burst to keep going. But like Luke said, we traveled so quickly and our money dwindled mm. very, very, very quickly. Um, and we weren't really ready to stop and get a job and teach you know like we were kind of like we want to go more we want to go here oh next let's go guatemala oh what about nicaragua it was constantly go 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 um so we sort of said right we can't earn money right now or we don't want to earn money right now so how do we stop spending it and that's what took our attention from being on holidays to budget traveling to budget backpacking um so we went from you know okay we're not going to do every tour. We don't, do we need to do a tour? Okay, right. We're not going to stay in these kind of apartments. So let's like, you know, look at homestays. What about house sitting? What about volunteering? You know, so we started volunteering with people and in exchange, we got free accommodation and food. So it, it just, and, and all that played a part in slowing us down and realizing that what we felt were, you know, maybe two months of traveling wasn't for us like it was it opened the door to actually we became we, what do you say we always we were less stop being tourists and start being, being travelers. travelers yeah like we were more joining the local people and how yeah. they lived mm. so we realized it wasn't a, going on a tour to see this amazing place it was actually visiting a local restaurant and eating with local people and learning about like their lives and their livelihoods and how they survive every day to us that was a lot more value than jumping on a tour bus to see, I don't know, a monument. Do you know what I mean? Completely. And watching that unfold on your social media page, it's a whole different way of traveling. Like mm. you guys immerse yourself in the life. I've seen you 24 hours on a train in a little <laughs> shoebox area, <laughs> arriving to this room where there's a bucket in the corner as your shower. And I lie in my bed thinking, I don't think I can do this. What is it like in reality? Do you feel more alive than ever before? I, I think so. It's funny, like a lot of people say that a lot, a lot of the people that follow us, we have a, a large following of people that follow us because they're like, oh, my God, I could never do what you do. 
and it makes me feel good watching you knowing that I am in my lovely house and I'm all comfy <laughs> and then we yeah. have an, another side is people that follow us going I would love, love to, to do that. Yeah. get up and do it you know what I mean and and like for us it's just I mean it's a fantastic way to travel it really is I mean you do you do burn out sometimes which is why it's really good to you know when you find somewhere comfortable and nice and cheap and stuff you're like let's do a week here yeah I mean you do take a little holiday from the travel you know there are times where you're like okay this is a lovely beach area we can afford to stay here for a week and let's just kind of holiday and slow down and Mm. recharge but I think it comes down to like that when you when you travel on the local buses and when you veer away from the touristy areas and you eat in the local restaurants and you stay with families and when you volunteer with families and you see their you're like that's their life every day sharing out of buckets is how they clean themselves you know eating on the floor is how they eat like and you kind of the the i suppose i hate to use the word but the bang of privilege it just washes off you you know you're sort of like you know it doesn't look like luxury but there, you know there's these local people they don't have that option mm. and so it kind of slowly became our norm and we were more comfortable doing it do you know what i mean because Completely. We, we if we if we want to avoid it, it's very easy to avoid it but we, we we chased that and yeah i mean look i mean you you've probably seen yourself the dives we've stayed in and there have been questionable <laughs> <laughs> questionable beds and places that we have eaten or whatever but they're all stories to us. We've yeah. never, we, we never talk about the lovely hotel or the very comfortable flight we took. It's always that 24 hour journey. Or remember yeah. when we had to eat with that family on the side of the road. Or remember Three when days the bus in a basket of melons on They're a boat. Yeah. the stories <laughs> that I can guarantee I'll be lying on my deathbed one day going, that was so much fun. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, we get so trapped, don't we, by our creature comforts that it stops us doing so many things, you yeah. know? Um, so yeah I do really question that I don't think I watch necessarily to feel better it does make me question why wouldn't I just rock up to India and see what happens next yeah so what about some of the other questions then that people will ask did you ever get very ill or very sick or run out of money or I mean what are the highs and the lows um we've we've luckily we've never run out of money Thank God. Now, we redlined once or twice. We came we came close, but like Katie said, we found ways of not spending money. And then over the course of uh, our travels, we, we because of the way we traveled, we fell into new opportunities, mm-hmm. um, which gave us the opportunity to start making a bit of, a little bit of cash on the road, mm-hmm. which was really good. Um, and then, I mean, the only time I remember being really, really sick was... <laughs> We were on our way. We were going to uh, into the the Amazon jungle in Bolivia, and the night before, when we were getting everything ready, we were like, I was starving, and we were like, okay, let's just grab something to eat. And I, I, I don't know why I thought this was a good idea. I was like, oh look, there's a, a guy on the side of the road selling southern fried chicken, and it's half ten at night, and so yeah, that chicken so wasn't out in the, the heat all day yeah, long. So it'll be fine. Super sanitary. It'll be fine. <laughs> so um, we filled ourselves on southern fried chicken, and then the next day we got up and got a boat into the Amazon jungle and we arrived to our hut and poor Katie was in absolute ribbons oh my god it was dying. the worst I was like Luke I'm so ill and I'm in the feckin jungle <laughs> like the worst uh, place to be ill right luckily now luckily enough the guy that was like our guide through the jungle we nicknamed him JC he was our Jesus Christ and uh, he came up and he was like what's wrong I was like she's she's not feeling well and he was like oh okay and he wandered out with this cup and just started pulling bits off trees yeah. and like chipped a bit of bark off and, and an orange peel and then poured boiling water and he was like drink that 
And, and she I remember drank he had, got a peel of a, an, an orange and like squeezed in. He was like, just to make it taste better. Yeah. He was like, down that. <laughs> I was like, what? So I downed it. Projectile vomited for about an hour straight. And then after that was right as rain. Yeah. And I was like, what is that? And I remember I kept saying, what is it? What is it? Because I was thinking, I'll bottle that now. Take that back to Ireland and sell that as the hangover cure. And we'll be millionaires. And then the next day, Luke was hit. So I was like, JC, we need another one of your, <laughs> your magic potions. Yeah. And it was just amazing. Same it was incredible. Again, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that I think, thankfully, that was the only time we got sick. Mm. Um, but yeah, we've... It, it definitely happens. There is deli belly and bali belly and yeah. all the bellies. Um, but I don't know. We've we've been very lucky. I think, we again, I people get really scared about eating street food. But for me, I much prefer seeing the conditions of where they're cooking right in front of me. Yeah. Then, you know, if you go into a restaurant and you don't know what the, the kitchen is like, for example. Um, street food to me as well is like, it has to be fresh because they've no way to store it, you know after latin america we stopped eating meat anyway it was just a personal choice and um i think that has definitely helped us <laughs> from getting sick um but yeah i think that was the only time thankfully but it definitely does happen like we're we we're, we're blessed that it hasn't happened yeah. again to be We've honest been really with you. lucky yeah and how much planning is involved then because also i see you trying to work out how to buy tickets and and you know what to do and i know obviously we have smartphones a little bit but you know a lot of that isn't what you're doing mm. I'm like how are they planning these routes how are they knowing what are they doing so are you guys sitting down every night and planning everything out or do you go week by week do you just go with the flow <laughs> I think it, it, there's a mixture of both like if we know where we're heading to, to a destination and you know it depends like if we're exhausted for example we might book a, a bus that would be like a sleeper bus so you can actually lie down on it and get a decent night's sleep or maybe the train you know and we might you know book it where it's a bit more comfortable but a lot of the times it's just it depends the country but let's just use india as our as an example because we were there you know recently you just go to the bus station you just go to the bus station and you figure out because it's not like you know it's not like your dublin bus study or your irish rail you know the way like it's not where you can actually book buses online and there's a lot more options when you get down there plus you can haggle a bit more you can see the bus as well like see the conditions it's in so yeah i think and then we always find it where you know we'd be on a bus journey get chatting to local people and you know you tell them where you're going and they say oh well you don't have you heard of this place like if you go here if you get off here and you get that bus there like it's amazing and they'll explain it to you so you pull out the phone and you google it and that's it detour you know what i mean so you just go with the flow but i think that's why not planning opens you up to that allows you to make those kind of choices you know um but and and funny enough unlike say here it's a lot cheaper to just travel on a whim like it's like that haggling is so well it's accepted like it's not there's not set prices for everything so it definitely is it suits our budget lifestyle yeah um and i don't know there's just something about being there in person um and doing it on top of sometimes there is no data sometimes there's <laughs> like we said there's no option to book anything and timetable wise like a lot of these buses tend to just go when they're full yeah so it's not like the bus leaves at two o'clock in the afternoon it's like the bus leaves when there's 25 people on it yeah you yeah. know which is great and haggling wise she's fantastic because you know <laughs> She loves to haggle and she's a bit <laughs> cheeky. And especially in India, like like men love that in India. They get great crack out with her. And we would get buses cheaper because they'd be like, oh, you. you know, they'd be looking at me going, are you going to let her talk to me like that? And I'm like, don't, don't even go there, man. You know what I mean? You're on your own there, buddy. Because there is a certain amount of bravery to all of it, to be rocking up to places, to not have really an idea of where you're staying, not really having an idea 
what you're going to meet. But I mm. think that again comes back to our assumptions that you're going to run against aggression, whereas you've just found, found nine times out of ten you run into beautiful people that really want to, yeah. to help you and teach you something. Absolutely. I mean, I would say I would say ten times out of ten, mm. like uh, like out, out in the actual world when you're traveling, people don't want to see you stuck. No. They'll help you out wherever you go. I mean, I remember we we were hiking um, up in in where was Fuktal again in India? Yeah. And we were we were hiking up through the north of India and we arrived into this little town and it was like, I don't know, it would have been like another eight hours trek to the next town. So we walked in and we were kind of looking around going, OK, where's the um, is there like a hostel or a hotel? And these women were kind of just sitting there sifting rice, looking at us going, what in the name of God? Are you doing? <laughs> yeah, they were like, what? so we were like, Are where's the where's the homestay? And they were like nodding as if they didn't even speak English. They pointed us to a house where one man spoke English. And that man was like, there's nowhere for you to stay. But I mean, you can sleep here and yeah. my wife will cook extra dinner. Yeah. And that's he was what like, we did. you can either go and stay up in the uh, up in the monastery, like the monks will take you in yeah. or you, you're more than welcome to stay here. And we were like, is that OK? He's like, yeah, yeah, we'll just cook you extra. So then, of course, his two kids, it was like whatever he said, he said, kids, get out of the room. We have guests. And they had to sleep <laughs> in whatever we slept in the kids room. Like, and it was amazing. It was absolutely incredible. And of course, we chucked him a few bob or whatever, but. I, I remember even the next day I had like my hair in a French plait and the little girl was like, like pointing to my hair. So I did her hair before she went to school or whatever. And I said, and she went off and we were waving like goodbye. And I was like, imagine now she's going to go to school and go, two white people stayed in my house last night. <laughs> like, can you imagine the story? She's like, look what you did with my hair. They'd be like, you know, could you imagine? Shut up, Sarah. Like, yeah. stop lying. You're always lying. And she's like, no, really? Two random people <laughs> two just random came and slept in my room last night. Yeah. It's fine with my mom and dad. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and it was just so lovely, wasn't yeah. it? And when we left and, and we handed him money and he, he wouldn't take it at first. And we were like, absolutely, you're taking it. Like, you know, and it's funny because we paid, I'd say three times what we would have paid if there was a homestay yeah, there because yeah. we were just the kindness it, yeah. of it um, but that has happened a lot and like I mean those people I'll never forget that family you know and I like to think that they have that story as well you know and please God if anyone else was to traipse through that town they'd be like we'll go back in five years and it'll be like hostile welcome and you kind of kept moving the whole time so there was no you kind of went away thinking we'll teach English in a school and move mm. from place to place but you started then to do Stuff online, websites, web design, so that you could work on your laptop, but keep on the move. There was no settling at any time. Yeah. Again, um, that all kicked off when we were traveling in Chile. We hit Chile and uh, we got in touch with this uh, NGO that teaches English um, to kids and adults and stuff in, in uh, Taltal. Taltal in Chile. And we got in touch with them about volunteering opportunities. And mm. the guy that was running the place, Hector, um, he said, look, the, the season's coming to an end. We don't need teachers, but I need somebody to like film a promotional video and build a website. And Katie was like, we'll do it. Mm. And then basically got off the phone and was like, OK, I need to figure out how to build a website. Yeah. You know, <laughs> panic. Like, and that's it. Like, that, that's what I love. One of the things I love about Katie is that she she'll just always say yes and then figure it out afterwards. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? She's like, I always say she's like above the water. She's like a duck, you know, above the water. She's all calm and collected and underneath she's paddling like a lunatic. Like, So we went and we, we ended up building a website for him and doing a promotional video. And then we built a website for the hostel that we were staying in. And then it just kind of snowballed. Yeah. Word of mouth. We got another one. We got another one and another one. And the next thing we knew, we were kind of building and maintaining sites for, mm. for a lot of people. Yeah. And we were able to offer that then. Like we were able to say, you know, 
like that we'd see a language school or, or an organization or anyone and say will you put us up for free and feed us and we'll, we'll leave you with a website at the end of it you know so that became something and that built our confidence and the easiest way to learn how to, to build websites is to break them <laughs> all the time and just know how to fix them um, and I think then we got our first Irish client and we mm-hmm. were like oh like really scared and nervous um, and then that word of mouth just kind of went then we we got better and better and we got became more confident and our website became better and now it's something that we we do um and on top of that then we you know tagged on social media and and marketing um and then as we met so we started another venture with a, another travel blogger called Steph my life and she we hung out with her in Bali and she, a lot of people always come to us and say right I'm going to say for example I'm going to um Thailand um, I don't know where to start. You guys have been everywhere. Like I love trekking and or I love the beach or I love this. What do you recommend? So then we started offering travel planning services where it was like, you know, you pay us, we sit down, we chat to you over Skype or Zoom, whatever, for an hour, get a feel for who you are. And then we basically compile, create and compile this lonely uh, planet guide just for you. Um, and you can go and follow it or take what you want from it and that was a service we started to offer as well now obviously that's on that's kind of uh, on hiatus at the moment because of covid but that's that's one thing that i mean if you had told me back in 2017 that you'd be building websites and doing travel planning and marketing and social media i'd be like you know what i mean like there's there's it's funny how it's opened us to opportunity and all it's that started with us running out of money turning to volunteering finding this guy in 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 Chile who was like I like your website will you do mine and then it snowballed from there and here we are three years later and we're earning money from it and it also started the day you just said yes and just got on the plane and said let's see what happens and so many things that you just do not expect open up so you guys were well ahead of the curve on working remotely like Mm. I think we've all had that lesson now Mm. that we should question how we live our life and, and what we want to do out of life and pretty much if you can have a laptop Mm-hmm. and get wi-fi somewhere yeah. you can work yeah mm. yeah so let's talk about that dreaded word covid then when did that start to come into your travel plans oh so that kind of okay we we first heard about that we were traveling through sri lanka and there was only a few so we were traveling through sri lanka we we, we had rented a tuk-tuk and we were in this group of people who were driving around sri lanka in tuk-tuks and uh, a couple of people had said in the group, oh, have you heard about this virus that's coming out of Asia that's spreading around and blah, blah, blah. And we were like. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Nonsense. Yeah. Give over now. Yeah. We all did that. Yeah, we were yeah, like, yes, yeah. yeah, SARS, it'll come and go. Yeah, it won't yeah. touch us. Foot and mouth all over again. <laughs> nah, not going to happen. And uh, then we kind of were 
keeping a bit of an eye on it, but it wasn't really hitting. And then what happened was it was quite strange. So we left Sri Lanka, we went to India. And then we, as we were traveling through India, it was almost like it was like a, a like step behind us. us the whole time. Yeah. So we were never actually in an area that was affected by it. We were never hit by it and it was never a, a, a big deal until we were in the northeast region of India. We were up and it was quite rural and, and uh, we were coming. We were offline a lot. We were well, offline okay. a lot because it was like proper in the middle of nowhere. And then when we came back down out of that region into like the first kind of town, we were back online. Um, we went to check into a place and the guy was like, uh, you're Italian, are you Italian? And we were like, no, we're Irish. And he's like, D definitely not Italian. And we were like, no. So we were like, what's that all about? And we went on and we logged on and it turned out that it had reached India through a tour group, I think of like 15 or 16 Italians mm. had rocked into the country and like 90% of them had it. Yeah. And then it just hit India and just like wildfire, it started spreading. But of because course this was the message on the news then. So everyone throughout India was, this was the how yeah, uh, it, it was the Western virus. Yeah, to in them. India. So of course we were going down the street and people were literally covering their mouths when pulling they were passing, their kids us, away from pulling us. their kids. We weren't allowed on buses. Like yeah. we, we tried to get on a bus one day and they were like, everyone covered their mouth in the back of the van and they were like, when I say a bus, it was kind of like a small van with like benches in it, um, and everyone was covering their mouth and going, no, 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 no. And he, we were like, oh please. And he says, I tell you what, you can, I'll give you a lift. We have to sit on the roof. <laughs> so we had to get up on the luggage rack. <laughs> Now we were like, okay, wee! <laughs> like it was deadly. We were like, this is class. Like didn't even realize that there was total segregation going on. Yeah. We were like buzzing. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, segregation. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so it was fun for a while. And then it got to a point where we were like Mary and Joseph, mm. no rooms at any inns for us. We could not get anywhere. No one would take us. Yeah. No one. And to go from India that it was like, please stay with me. Come meet my nanny. Have dinner with me. Like guest is God there to just being like, no, stay away from us. Yeah. Don't come near us. It was like, oh, my God, it was such a shock, wasn't yeah. it? It was almost heartbreaking, you it know, really was. and were you any getting any kind of sense of panic from home where parents ringing you saying come home or anything at that point? It no. hadn't hit really at that point because yeah. this was coincided with uh, I think the kids were all heading to Italy wasn't it for the ski trips yeah, and stuff like yeah. that so this was like February so, so it hadn't, hadn't really hit at that here. point but I remember so originally we had a flight booked home in that May because Luke's mom was getting married mm. so we knew we were coming home for a visit and I just said to him again we were up in this this uh, rural region and I said look we should probably our flight was booked from Thailand so he said like we should make it make a break for to Thailand because India is very hostile at the moment and it's really hard to, to just live here mm. um, and to be tourists and you know it was just very uncomfortable so we made a break for it but we had to do like three back-to-back -back buses from where we were to get to Kolkata to fly out and we booked a flight and it was on the last night of that oh, the last night as we were getting to the airport we got into a really bad bus crash a head-on collision and I mean it was horrific it was terrifying our bus driver he lost his foot there was blood everywhere like it was just and I remember that was, for us was like we need to get out of here I'm so done like I'm scared now do you know so we started panicking um and then when we got to the airport I swear you couldn't ride it like we got to the airport and literally the screen was like cancelled 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 because apparently while all this was happening the Indian government had announced that they were no more visas were being issued to anyone um and they were starting to close the borders so we just got out in the nick of time 
and landed in Thailand and we went to Koh Lanta and that was it. Thailand had announced that they were closing their borders and we got to this island and they cornered us off. They cut us off from the mainland and everything. And then this was like early March. Meanwhile, you know, it was all kicking off at home and across Europe and everything. So we were just like, oh my God, what is happening? And then what happens? I pee on a stick and I'm pregnant. Do you know what I mean? So we were like, look, sure look. <laughs> okay, so you're in India trying to get out. All the flights are being cancelled and you've just discovered you're pregnant with lovely Cora we've heard through the interview. Yeah, we just arrived into Thailand um, and we, we went down straight down to Koh Lanta. Um, and we were staying in like a like that like a hostel or whatever um, and Thailand was starting to close down and I remember we, we were in like kind of a shared style accommodation so our kitchen was shared and everything I said to Luke I, I want to get into like an, a, an Airbnb I want our own little house like our own space or whatever because obviously like COVID was rampant and we were scared as well you know of getting it so we applied for uh, we applied for like an Airbnb and the landlord, he was an English man, he was so lovely um, and he took us in and just, I swear to God, just as we had paid the deposit and everything, um, the Thai government had announced that they were rounding up all the tourists from all the like homestays and hostels and they were putting them in these designated hotels to like basically keep them, like restrict their movements. Um, and thankfully this, our English landlord was said, don't worry like I, I'm act, I've, I've put down that you're like permanent residents with me like your permanent um tenants so we we skipped that because apparently COVID was made its way around all these designated hotels it was pretty bad and you were made isolate and then you, you had to pay for it as well it was very expensive like so we were quite lucky um and that's when yeah we had found out then that we were expecting as well so it was just like oh it was just crazy because then you're like what do we do do we go home do we stay here? Where do we go? Like home is, is not any safer. Like here is quite safe, you know? So we rang, obviously told our parents or whatever. And at first it was like, no, you guys should come home. You should come home. But then as the cases became so much worse in Ireland, it, the, the talk changed to stay where you are. Don't even attempt to travel and, and, and stay put. It's too dangerous. Um, so yeah, we, we um, went just rocked down to this tiny little hosp hospital. Like, I mean, it was so small. It looked like a tiny little schoolhouse. And the hospital was amazing because it was like outdoor. So the waiting room is outdoor. You've got chickens roaming through the hospital. You've got cats asleep on the benches in the waiting room beside you. Like, and I was like, oh God, oh God. You know what I mean? Am I, I having just, a baby I'm here? I'm having a baby here. Like <laughs> what is going to happen? Because no, no one knew what was, what was in store for us. Um, and yeah, we spent seven months yeah. um, in Thailand and I was under the best care. I, I, I honestly, I keep saying to Luke, the second one, we're going back to the hospital. I'm going back under their care. Like I want a chicken as a doctor. It yeah. was just so lovely as well because we were a bit of a novelty. And when we said to them at the first scan, I said, look, I don't want to know what I'm having, which is not really that usual in Thailand. So we were known as surprise baby. So you'd walk into the hospital and they go, ah, surprise baby. And, and he would say to me, <laughs> I know what you're having. And I'm like, don't tell me I, I won't, but I know like it was just always good crack. You know, uh, he was a pretty cool doctor. He used to be like during my scans, he was blasting reggae and it was the same doctor all the time. Same nurses. It was that small. And even like medical wise, I mean, they had tested me for like uh, gestational diabetes really early. So I was diagnosed at 13 weeks, uh, which is unheard of here. And I was put on insulin and everything. And it wasn't until I got back here. I was about 32, 33 weeks when we arrived to the coom. 
they were like looking at my at the insulin and, and my medical records that I had to translate to get someone to translate <laughs> it from Thai and everything. They were like, oh, we're not even going to touch you. Like everything is fine. So we're just going to you, you've been fine. Like yeah. everything is grand, you know, and I had no clue of anything because you couldn't you couldn't talk about, you know, any possibilities because of the language barrier. So, you know, the way here, like you go in and they say, OK, this could happen and this could happen. And you should do this and you should. They, I would just go in and he'd go, baby's fine. And I'd say, and what about baby's fine? That's all he could say to me, like baby, OK. And even in the scan, remember, he said, good news, one baby, <laughs> two arms, two legs, human. And that was it. And that was the scan. It was over in like five minutes. Do you know what I mean? So it was just so surreal. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it wasn't until I got back here that when I went in and it was like, you know, there was talks of like inductions and growth spurts and or, or uh, growth scans and this and all the possibilities and getting wired up. I was like, I loved that. Ignorance is bliss. Baby, fine. Yeah, that's all, you that's all I wanted. <laughs> I didn't want it was like the anxiety increased a little bit because you get so much more information, which I appreciate. I do. And I, I know that we do at the start. I did need that. I did want that. But then by seven months, I was like, I just want, no, baby's fine. That's all. I just want the two words. <laughs> yeah, because it can it. be overwhelming. Yeah. So at what point did you decide we need to have this baby back in Ireland? Well, we kind of, the, the plan was always to have the baby back in Ireland. It was just how long could we avoid actually taking a flight home? So we kind of always said we would leave it as long as the airline would allow before we took a flight. I mean, I literally, I think we flew home 31 yeah and then we did the isolation for two weeks so mm. yeah i think the airline i had to fly before i was 32 weeks yeah yes yeah, so we flew the week before the week before <laughs> and even then like we arrived into the airport and they were like whoa <laughs> like you're very pregnant are you sure you're okay to fly and katie was like yeah you know i'm good oh, yeah, with our backpack we, and all on our back like. <laughs> <laughs> we had doctor's notes and everything yeah, it, was fine. it was fine um no but we did we did look into it as a plan b i was mm. like okay what's the logistics if i have a baby here in terms of her passport and we we figured out what we'd have to do to get her passport to get her out of thailand i think if covid wasn't uh such an issue at the time or still is now but at the time it would have been less scary to to maybe look into that mm. but i just sort of it was very overwhelming and the fact of like we didn't know what was going to happen and I was sort of like I need me mommy I need my mommy that's what I need I need my support well, even in the pandemic even yeah. aside from having a baby yeah. it was probably at a time where we all wanted to just check in with yeah. the people close to us and go are we all okay here yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so I said you know what well let's just go home we'll yeah. go home yeah and how uh, long had it been at that point um three. two yeah, so we went, we, we were, we've been away for three years um, and I think it was April 2018 that we came home for a week and that was when we were kind oh. of crossing from Latin America over to Southeast Asia and we had to stop in Europe so we did a surprise visit but it was literally like one week, our bags weren't even unpacked, they were still at the door um, and that was it and then so from, from that moment on to when we got back it was two years. So, yeah, it was nice to come home. And then obviously, like, it was a really, it was lovely to come home and bring some good news, you know, because like on my side, it's the first grandchild. Um, so to roll in with a bump and, and to have something other to talk about than COVID. And it was just a lovely, yeah, it was lovely. It was a nice time. And was there any part of the two of you that thought, right, this is the end of the travels. We have the baby now. Let's go back to the mortgage plan. And or was it no, this is a pit stop? No, it was always a pit stop. Yeah. Yeah, it was always a pit stop. I think we we discussed it between ourselves, obviously, in Thailand. Like, that was a great thing about it, just being the two of us, was essentially we we 
hashed out all the, the, the ideas and talked about everything and came up, made all the decisions and then came home and we were like, right, this is what's happening. Mm. So we kind of eliminated that need for family to be like, but what about this and what about that? And we were like, mm. no, we've thought about that and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. So we, we had it all sorted out between the two of us before we came home. But it, I think it was always going to be, I mean, we love how much travel has given us in our lives and how much it's it's broadened our horizons and gifted us and i think it's really important that we pass that on to cora mm. and also that we always say like we don't want to ever turn around to cora and say we were living this amazing life and we were traveling and doing all these things and then she says well why did you stop and we go well because you like we don't want that we want to mm. be able to say to her like you can do whatever you want to do yeah like if we stop if we give it a go and it doesn't work with her then we can say to her look we we, we tried and mm. it didn't work out but yeah. it's important that we we stick to our guns yeah. on this one. I think we were always open to if we came home and it felt right to stay, we would have stayed. We were open to that as well. It wasn't mm. we were like coming home going, don't try make us settle down. Yeah. <laughs> we are not staying. We were like, well, we see how we get on. Now, obviously, COVID did play a huge part because we came home and we didn't see friends or family or anyone mm. for months, like everyone for months. So we were like, we were like, we're not home. This isn't really home. There's no crack. There's no meeting up with people. There's no, you know, mm. there was no gatherings. There was nothing happening. So it did make it our decision to want to go a bit easier. Mm. Um, but now when even things start start opening up and everything, um, yeah, like Luke said, we just, we're not, we're not ready to stop. And I get it that we have something else to consider, like our little human here, but we just want to say to her, like, do whatever you got to do, like follow your dreams. And if you, there's something you want to do, do it. But we need to lead by example in that. So that's why we're going to give it a go and, and take baby steps. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to change how we travel. It's going to change the dynamic entirely. But COVID has already done that. Mm. We cannot travel the way we used to because going off the beaten track is dangerous, not for us, but for people we come in contact with because of COVID. You know, the vaccine, vaccines aren't widely available. So we can't go into these regions that we would have ran to out of fear. Um and that will suit now our navigating with Cora, you know, because we have to stay on a certain track that's maybe a bit more touristy, family friendly. We'll still find our hidden gems and we'll stay in our little dives and we'll still do it our way. Like we're not going to be falling into like resorts and, you know, package deals or anything like that. But it definitely coincides well that when we take off COVID and Cora, we're going to make for a whole new, a new travel, well, I love travel how style. You, you don't let fear stand in your way. Like you said the word should there a few minutes ago that people say this, you should do this and you should do that. And there's no real should in anything. You've just recalibrated things and said, well, we might do it a bit differently, but we're still doing it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, should should is a weird one because it's it's so subjective what you should do is whatever is good for you mm. you know what i mean like i'm i'm i mean i'm i'm 40 next year and according to society i should have a house have a mortgage have another kid and a car and a job and a you know that's what the societal norm is mm. but that that wouldn't make me happy no it wouldn't make me happy at all you know whereas my my brother who's a year younger than me that that's his dream. That's yeah. all he he's ever wanted and all he wants. And he's super happy. And he has his own business, his own car, his own house, his kid, his wife, you know, the 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 stereotypical life. And that's what he wants and it makes him happy. So who would I be to tell him that he should live the way I live? Yeah. Because like that he's missing out. Exactly. Because you know? it wouldn't be right for no, him. No, it wouldn't be. 
you're just going with your gut. And I have noticed that you're very um, conscious consumers. Did yeah. you get that traveling or were you always that way? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Like I would have always liked to think we were like that before leaving. But no, again, travel it, it really it's like a big slap in the face um, and nothing is hidden anymore. And even like I remember going away, I, a friend I used to work with, um, Peter, he said to me when I was leaving, he said, no, you don't come home hippie with dreads and no shoes and vegetarian. Right. And I remember coming back and he was like, well, you're still wearing shoes and you don't have dreads, so we'll take that, you know. But it is, it's funny how you do meet these people that go away and they come back and they're really like airy fairy and, you know, vegan this and that. And it's true, it really does do that to you because, I mean, we stopped eating meat because when you're open to a market where there's people queuing up with live chickens that they've just picked up and they're slaughtering slaughtering them there in front of you and you see like meat, in a way that is not in our butchers or not beautifully presented in package, it really makes you go, oh my God. You know, like for me, Vietnam was like to see a market where you've got like dogs hanging with horses, hanging with pigs. Hang- and then all of a sudden you're like, well, what is the difference? Why don't we eat the?" So that really changed things for us. On top of you walk down the street and you see litter everywhere because there are no recycling schemes or there are, but it's it's there i mean for us it's hidden it's hidden out of our view mm. you know you can kind of ignore it in a way but in a lot of these countries you can't so it's made us really look at the impact we have and it's it's taken it's right across the board i mean we we very rarely fly if there's an option to get somewhere over land using public transport we take that and if that means traveling two to three days versus a 30 minute flight we always go by land it has made every decision very very conscious and we're very passionate about it we're no means perfect we're learning all the time but that it's i mean if 2016 katie could look at me now she'd laugh at me and go you idiot you know what i mean like it's i'm a completely different person and it's definitely it's it's evolving even now isn't Mm. it i mean even coming back to ireland we were saying it's very easy to fall back into the pattern that we used to live in. Very easy. You know, like we were so used to eating constantly like fresh food. I mean, fresh, fresh food. Um, whereas we walk into a supermarket now and it's all imported, looking pretty in plastic. And it's, it's like, well, there's no other choice. It's really hard to not shop the way we used to or avoid these kind of products. Society does not make it easy for us at all. Yeah, or they make it easier to go with the convenient option. But like I've watched you guys come back on social media from the market in India with your big box of veg and be excited as to what you're going to do it. And then I've watched you do it in Dublin and like it's been a bit further of a drive, but you've got enough to last you longer. It is doable, even down to Cora's nappies. You guys don't use the disposable (laughs) ones. And if people just get this mindset, oh no, I couldn't do that takes a little bit of extra effort but then it just becomes normal as we everything it really, really does it becomes yeah. second nature like I always th- I think the nappies is a really good example because I mean I have friends that are my age that, that say it to me they're like how do you do the, the cloth nappies and I'm like well we never use the disposable ones so I don't know any different that's the nappy that I know and that's I know how to, to work with that you know so I mean I love the fact that we that we do those things and I, I, I'm not gonna lie to you it is mostly down to Katie I'm 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 a bit of a man in that you know she's like if we're we, she'll make the, the conscious decision to go with no plastic and to do, and it's easy enough for me to just go okay cool <laughs> you know she's like we have to drive down to Meads to get our vegetables because they're not wrapped in plastic I'm like okay 
I think it's clear who the boss is. I like oh, it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. Yeah, well, she's a good CEO by the sounds of things. She's got her head screwed on in all the right ways. You did something conventional while you were home. You got married. Mm-hmm. Was that something that was important to you to do? Was that because of Cora? When did you decide to go all romantic? We tried when we were abroad, didn't yeah. we? We tried a few places, but unfortunately we needed like our original birth certs and like a letter from the state to say we weren't married before. And we were like, oh, that's a lot of paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> nah. So well, I think when we came home, we, when we knew we were coming home, we said, look, we'll, we'll do it. Especially there. because obviously you need to do, give three months notice. So again, it was like, we'll be here for three months at least so it's, it's a good time to do it I remember sitting up in the when we were registering with my big bump and I was like well this is a very shotgun kind of buzz isn't it <laughs> it's like you better marry her <laughs> it's very Irish <laughs> um, and yeah again like COVID worked to our advantage um, because we didn't have to go down that conventional route of the big wedding and the second cousins and the third cousins and the neighbours and having a crazy amount of people and the first dance and all which we always said was never going to be us it no. was not us at all but to be able to to turn around to the family and say sorry we can't do it six people that's it so you know um and just do it our way and we had a lovely day um and it was a lot of it was with with cora for example we wanted to all have the same surname traveling um it was just it, it, it is a lot of it for legal reasons as well but um i mean fair play like luke for example cora's registers hogan gibney She's both our names. Um, I'm Hogan Gibney. And Luke was like, well, I want to be Hogan Gibney. So he went and got his name changed, which is very unheard of as well. So it, it, it was great. But the three of us are all Hogan Gibney. So we've started a new breed. <laughs> so. Well, I just don't want you to be able to take off with the kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's all the space right <laughs> And the Hogan Gibneys are going on the road again. When mm. when are you setting, setting sail? We are set and sail we're hoping to set sail towards the end of september yeah. um, and we're gonna kind of dip our toe in the water a little bit and head over to europe and maybe do a bit of traveling closer to home just as a kind of a just yeah. to see yeah we're just back from a week of camping with cora down in west cork and it's given us the confidence because i was a bit worried i was like like that cloth nappies how are we going to travel with cloth nappies like how do we do that you know without a washing machine yeah, yeah. Us, yeah and we managed we made it work and it was great now god love us the poor car parked up in barley cove beach and we had a washing line <laughs> inside the car and all these nappies were while we camped outside you know and i could imagine people going up going there's the double Dubliners coming around hanging their nappies in the car. Um, but we made it work, you know. We were like, we can we could do this. And she was fantastic. Um, she really we we were so impressed. We were like, you are one of us. Yeah. You can do this, Welcome. you know. But at the same time, we had to it was a great learning curve because we realized we had to slow down. We only had a week, and of course, I was like, We have a week, we need to do this, 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 and this. But poor Cora was wall fallen mm. by the third day. So we were like, okay, we need to slow it down. So it did make us think, right, if we're going to go and do this travel thing, we have to take it very slow and allow her to adapt, um, you know, from sleep schedules to time changes to just different, like, you know, environments um, and take into consideration that we, ha- we have to put her first as well. So while we're very excited, it is more about her now. Um and I think, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm more excited than nervous. Yeah. Especially, I think that week for me was like, oh, let's go. Let's do it. We can do it. You yeah. know, I think if she would have been like horrific to deal with and like so unsettled and all over the shop, but like she was just, she was like, this is my bed tonight. Cool. 
you yeah. know and I was like oh my god in a tent in, a in tent. between the two of you yeah, we, laugh. We, we, we bumped into a couple um, that follow us on Instagram lovely couple in Cork and, and uh, they were doing the same thing but they were travelling in a camper van with their little boy and he wouldn't settle so they put him in a rain jacket and they took him out in the rain the lashings of rain and they passed by our tent and we were wild camping outside and the mom said now you need to be very quiet because there's a baby asleep in there and then she said next thing all she heard was her going bah, 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 just <laughs> chatting away yeah so she's just she was just very happy and what I loved as well is I mean I felt back in my habitat I suppose because I hate I hated this year of being indoors like everyone but I feel I hate I hate saying this because I feel like it's we're so hard done by but we had gone from complete freedom and being outdoors all the time to then not only coming back to Ireland but being indoors and I on top of like having a baby or whatever, the anxiety was through the roof. I mean, we I had to take four months off in- Instagram and everything because I was so triggered by everything that was happening. And this last week, I said to Luke, I was like, I have never felt more myself in so long because we're outdoors. We were in the camp. She was constantly outside and she was really happy. I was really happy. When we're two, when both of us are happy, Luke is ecstatic. So it was just like, it was like, okay, it's something really clicked this week with me of like, this is the environment we want to be in. And I mean, to see her outdoors and meeting so many people, especially because I mean, she's a COVID kid, you know, so like meeting people is just so daunting for her. And to see her come over shell in one week was like, we need to go. We need Amazing. to go. Yeah. yeah. So she's nearly six months, is that right now? What is she's she? She's nearly nine months. She's nearly nine months. Wow. Yeah, at the end of this wow. month. Yeah. And you've even had people on Instagram say to you, you know, why are you going? What about her primary school? Like, why are people asking about her primary school place when she's still a baby? Again, because because people worry about these things and they, they worry for us, which is, it's kind of sweet, but at the same time, it's, it's their own... Um, anxieties about these things you know people panic and they're like you need to start thinking about schools you need to put her name down you need to this you need to that and we're like we don't because one we don't really know where we're going to be when she starts school and myself and katie have had the, the the school conversation and i mean i just there's so much time before we need to start thinking about yeah. that i mean she's nine months she's not going to start school until she's like five six in some countries it's even seven mm. so you know we're not very uh, we don't really worry about the future too much we're very we, we like to think we are we live very much in the present as much as possible so I'm like my brain won't let me go that far because so much can happen and as I keep saying I'm like just stop for a minute look at how much has changed in one year for everyone for everyone around the world like everything is completely different now so why worry about something that's happened going to happen potentially in five years and then when we get out there as well I mean we have met so many families who travel women who travel while pregnant you know like they're backpacking with bumps like it's just to us it's very normal to see um and you know we've met a lot of kids around the world that that's their life and they're pretty they've got their head screwed on these mm. kind of these kids but also when we meet them now the conversation is different because we can approach them and say so what do you do for school like that's a that's a, a question we've never thought to ask so in ireland it seems that the only logical thing to do is come home and put her in a primary school here but i think when we get out into the world we're going to meet people who are like well you know well i homeschool her and then she goes to the local school and then we have like you know a, a tutor that does a, an online thing and do you know what i mean so there's i feel like that we'll be given more options when we get out there and also 
I think like she's gonna learn her colors. She's gonna learn her maths. She's gonna learn geography. She's gonna learn history, religion, she's be culture, up different languages, she's gonna yeah. be culture, exactly. People. Like, but for primary, like I'm happy for her to just go with the flow and just be involved wherever we are. And if we have to move, we'll move. Um, she's gonna be educated no yeah. matter what happens. Yeah, she's no will point be worrying educated. about something yeah. that's four years yeah. down the down the line. Will you continue sharing everything on the Young Graceful Guide? Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think so, especially now because I mean, if we can encourage people to travel with kids it, and and show that it's not that scary or that it is it is possible i think there's this idea of you either need to travel is for the young they say you know so like after college or before you hit your 30s and you settle down you have to travel but we always say like or the opposite where no i'll wait until my kids grow up and travel you know and and it's either one one end or the other but it's like well why not go with your kids because i can guarantee that of all the christmases we'll miss at home cora won't be you know, she's not going to be thinking, you know, yourself like growing up and you're like all the toys I get for Christmas or all this or all that. She's going to have so many stories with us. She's going to have so many experiences and it's going to really make her. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's she, the greatest gift is. that you can give is to, as you say, show her that you just go for it. Yeah. If there's something you feel in your gut is right, you go for it. Yeah. I have no doubt that the three of you are going to have such an adventure. I can't wait to watch from the comfort of my social norm bed. And I don't look at you and think anything but envy and joy to see you so happy and doing your thing. So continue doing it. Thank you so much. You can find them on at The Ungraceful Guide. Luke, Cora, who is now beautifully sleeping. (laughs) And Katie, thank you so, so much. An absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Changemakers. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would love if you would take a moment to rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people to find the podcast too. Take care. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 